the periodic table just blows my mind because somehow like they know that there are elements that fit into certain spots and they haven't been discovered yet. Well, how, I don't know how that works. How do you know that there's something out there that fits into this box based on its whatever, its electrons and protons and neutrons? Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, I they kind of do the same thing when it comes to like discovering uh like stars or like black holes, right? They're like, we don't know, we can't see it, but the math checks out, so it's there. <laughs> I think okay. it's a sli- I think it's slightly more complicated than that, but um, the yeah, just take our word for it. The math checks out. Yeah. All right. It's funny you should mention stars. Um, well, why don't we get to that in a second? Howdy! Welcome to the Managing Expectations podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Wenger. With me, as always, the pompadus of love, Brian Grimm. Howdy, Brian. Howdy, Jeff. Brian's really the aide-de-camp to everyone but Chris Galley. Right. Yeah. Uh, Whereas some people call me Maurice... Because no I one has sp- ever. I speak yeah. of the pompatus of love. Yeah. Uh, uh, you, you remember Northern Exposure? I do. Yeah, it was great. So um, Maurice Minifield was the astronaut who wanted to uh, turn Sicily, Alaska into the Paris of the North. And uh, he, he, I mean, he was very American, but like he had this side um, where he liked gourmet food and show tunes. And so um, uh, partners came to town looking for um, territory, looking for uh, to buy property. And um, uh, they, they mistook uh, Maurice's uh, aesthetic proclivities for, uh, and then he thought that they were business partners and not romantic partners. <laughs> and so hijinks and hilarity ensued. Yeah, so, sounds good. Yeah. So uh, I did work with a woman in Kansas City who uh, saw me working to be uh, a manly man, but then also I have these refined and even soft sides so there's that uh you were you had mentioned uh you mentioned stars so uh mrs winger and i watched roxanne the other Mm -hmm. day for the first time so it came out in like 87 uh it was steve martin reworking uh rostan's uh cyrano de bergerac and it was a delight, but there was a, I, I won't belabor the point now because I would rather, um, I'm, uh, I'm mad about some stuff. So we're going to talk about that instead. And that's going to be a big surprise for you. Um, so, uh, uh, 
so like some stars are named right like i don't know like like andromeda andromeda is a solar system or a galaxy right i don't know yeah. a beetlejuice is uh the next closest star to our our sun isn't that correct you don't know that beetlejuice okay i i never saw the movie so don't start with me yeah it's called beetlejuice all right all right all right so, some things have names and others are other things are named like um ui dash scooty scootai okay right and there's there, and, and and i was thinking to myself seeing some of this recently i liked it better when they had like real names of all things there's an exchange between steve martin the uh uh there's a uh, an exchange between the Steve Martin character, who uh, is the uh, fire chief, and Daryl Hannah, who is a astrology uh, student, and she says, and he says, I liked it better when they named things. I thought, oh. Steve Martin thought of this independent. I, I thought of it independently, but he thought of it first. Uh, some like direct, like direct marketing. Thirty-five, 35 years earlier, and um, she says, "Well, there are a lot of things to name," and uh, it's true. I mean, just the the enormity of the cosmos. Just, I mean, if, you know, look, I'm floored by the periodic table. You can imagine, you know looking at clusters of galaxies can you imagine so you like have like like grapes on a vine like a cluster of grapes galaxies it's just amazing we're so small uh one of the things that really blew my mind is you you might be familiar with the kind of the famous picture from the hubble space Tele telescope of uh the pillars of creation the, the pillars of creation that's exactly where i'm going with this is it really it's it the is. only one I knew. Yeah. Well, so it's, so it's famous. Uh, so um, they were able to send back this amazing high-def photo of the pillars of creation. And it, it's, it's gases and it's stardust and, you know, all this stuff that's way over my head. But the thing that really blows me away is that it's likely – that we're seeing this picture, we're seeing this picture transmitted to us, but it's not there anymore. Yeah. The light from that is, is finally reaching us where it's visible, but it's, it happened so far in the past that it's not there anymore. Right. And it's, it's amazing to me. I just, yeah, the light of a distant star. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yep. You know, you know, it's not a distant star is Proxima Centauri. That's the second closest star to our solar system. Okay. Did you look up Beetlejuice wise guy? Cause you obviously think that I'm, I'm, I'm just getting, I'm just getting the Michael Keaton stuff when, uh, Proxima okay. Centauri. Yeah. That means Centauri in proximity. Yeah. Uh, is that okay. an Alpha Centauri? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, that be Beetlejuice like is, 
is uh, the 10th brightest star in our night sky and the second brightest in the constellation of Orion. Oh, well, there you go. Orion, Orion's belt. Mm -hmm. I can see that. Okay. So here's the thing. Uh, we haven't prepped for this, um, but I think that there is a conversation that we can have uh, without getting political, but just talking about the current moment. Um, some people want to take away Joe Rogan's platform to make money. Do you have thoughts? I do. I think that it's none of my damn business. <laughs> Come on. Seriously? <laughs> really? Um, <laughs> okay, okay, because here's, here, oh, oh, all right, so I, I don't, there are times when I don't really like people that much, but, but, but the people who come after them seem so vile that it is hard to not take a, take a side. And, and, and while I think that there is danger in that, okay, so I will give you an example. Um, uh, I don't, I don't, I would not, for example, have Bill Clinton to my home for dinner. Um, I, I don't like what, he, okay, so I mean, uh, when I was writing for the newspaper, I was writing for that newspaper when the, um, when the uh, Lewinsky scandal broke. Okay. Mm -hmm. And one of the stories I did was just interview. It was like a man on the street thing. And the vast majority of Asians and Asian Americans that I talked to were all like, yeah, who cares? It, it's, it's none of our business. Um, and, and I can respect that. And that's, uh, th there was a line in like uh, the last season of the West wing uh, about a similar sort of situation. It's like, well, that's half of all American voters and that's every voter in France, but it's, you know, nobody in this room. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and, and oh, you, you want to worry. Sarah was in London around the same period of time. She was on a trip there. Okay. Well, and a Jane Austen uh, dress up trip. I'm not saying it was a reenactment of sense and sensibility, but she just was there and she packed heavily. <laughs> you know, I've seen that picture of her with the ringlets and she is a doll. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she was there in London at this period of time. And it, that's what, you know, a lot of the Brits wanted to talk about. And they asked her as an American, her opinion on it. And she, you know, she was just like, yeah, I think it's, it's, you know, it's a pretty bad situation. This, this is scandalous. It's awful. And their thought was, the, not every one of them, but most of them that she talked to, they says, he's just a regular guy. He's just a regular guy. Right. Which concern, which, which uh, confirms the worst suspicion that women have about most guys or yeah. what Mrs. Winger kind of thinks about all guys. 
So essentially, from King David to John Kennedy, they are all just long-tailed rats. And she Scoundrels. is keeping a close eye on me. <laughs> the, the, the point, look, I, I, I don't want to like rehash the Clinton-Lewinsky scandal, except that Okay, so like, okay, look, I, I don't have a political axe to grind. I absolutely don't, okay? But I mean, if, if, if because we believe in honest-to-God sexual harassment in the workplace, is there not an extraordinary disparity between what, what is casually referred to as the most powerful man in the world and a just out of college intern, right? Can you imagine? I mean, so, okay, no, I mean, she, you know, she was 20, she's over 21. So, okay, she's, you know, but I, I would, I would think rather differently about it if she was my daughter. As it turns out, she's just a few years younger than I am. And she seems to have acquitted herself. But the, the point is, he did something uh, uh, that's not commendable. He did something bad. Now, having said that, the people who came after him didn't, didn't seem f- focused on that. They seemed focused on anything they could get their, their teeth into, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it like backfired and this junk seems to be happening like ever, ever since, you know, I mean, I think you think about, uh, I mean, you're probably too young to remember like the uh, Senate confirmation hearings of uh, there was a, a brilliant but conservative jurist named Robert Bork who was who uh, Ronald Reagan nominated for the US Supreme Court and the left went nuts right i mean they uh, ted kennedy was quoted all over the place saying um, uh, the the america of robert bork is a place of back alley abortions and uh, you know some other other thing um, but here Here's where it's going. While this ugly, what, what Clinton himself calls at the um, Clinton uh, Museum, it's a thing. Uh, it's um, the, the politics of personal destruction is now taken out of the hands of, of, of the elite, okay? Out of the political class, even out of the media to a large extent and has been aerosolized across not, not just social media, but to a large extent that, um, but also uh, colleges, uh, high schools, uh, the HR departments of every, every corporation with more than 100 employees, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this goes back to the early 90s. Um, there was a case, the first I'd ever heard of political correctness was um, there was a case in 
Colorado where there were some young women on the quad and they're making a bunch of noise and somebody yells from their dorm room, uh, uh, you know, shut up down there. I mean, I'm sure it was impolite, but he called them water buffaloes, water buffaloes. That makes me think that they're big, okay? It didn't make me think that they were black, but they were. And so that was used as proof that there was um, a pernicious racist element at the University of Colorado at Boulder. And it was the first, and, and it made national news. And it's when you first started hearing the word, the words political correctness. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's been exaggerated. Somebody short is, you know, what, vertically challenged. I mean, that's not an official thing. That's like one of the bad jokes about it. But mm -hmm. I mean, uh, it seems to be getting to a point where uh, everybody's got a label. And that label seems to suggest victimhood. Somehow I'm a victim. This is this happened to me. Okay, so um, you know whatever. I was raised by a drunk, and you know my sister killed herself, and those are bad deals. But I don't think I'm a a victim because of it. You know, I mean I'm a mess. I'm kind of crazy. I mean everybody who knows me, you know, says yeah, yeah. But you know, you're it's a good crazy. <laughs> anyway so but i don't know but yeah it's it, it's just it's just weird because there certainly have been times when i've played on i think particularly as a younger man in high school and so forth you know where you know this stuff that happened to me growing up you know is is a bad deal and I don't know. It it's like what I could do instead of being the fastest runner, right? Oh, well, this this distinguishes me, but I mean, but I look back on it, and I'm really embarrassed by it, right? I mean, it's not. I mean, sometimes it helps me. Like if I'm if I'm dealing with somebody who's going through something or has been through something, I think it helps to establish my bona fides that I, I know something about this, mm -hmm. okay? So, so anyway, so students, all right, so, 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 so those students in the early 90s uh, graduated and made their way into corporate jobs. And some of them are, I mean, I mean, a lot of them are in academia, but a lot of them are in corporate jobs. So they're managerial. Some of them ended up working in human resources and they, so, so, so if you say, well, uh, this is who I am. This is my heritage. This is my whatever. This is how I want to be called. 
I don't, I don't see any reason to quibble about that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, if, if you meet a guy named Larry, uh, and then he, Larry starts going by Lori. Um, I think that's, look, I, I think that's peculiar, but I don't know what's going on inside of Larry Lori. And so, okay. Uh, as far as, as far as the, mechanics go uh if if there is an undis indisputable lorry say that i work with um i don't concern myself with the southern hemisphere um of lorry and so why would i do it when larry becomes lorry right just mm -hmm. just this is the person let's go just move on this take care of business. That's what, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. But things are proceeding with greater force than that, wouldn't you say? I would. And, and so there's all sorts of, there, there, there's legitimate concern about what, what's happening to young people I mean, who are already just this wretched stew of, of hormones, right? I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, when I was a teenager, uh, I, I, you know, I was, I was motivated by pretty much one thing. And it, it wasn't making my mother proud. Right. But also, uh, you know, it's also it's a super kind of confusing time as to uh, as you're trying to deal with growing up and your, your place. Yeah. Who you, to who you're growing into. And then, uh, you know, like you said, you have all your hormones are just uh, multiplying inside your body and sure it makes you crazy it's like a fission reaction of hormones i'm about to melt down <laughs> so it the 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 list of things um all right, so I've always thought that it was the perception and not the intention was a slippery slope, right? Um, because some things are manifestly a joke, and, and I would say that. Right. <clears throat> uh, and if we, if we just pivot back to Joe Rogan, um, see, what I, what I find interesting about his situation is in, in retrospect, he was willing to take some things down because things that he thought were funny didn't hold up and he could see how it was a bad look and could actually cause offense. And that wasn't what he was trying to do. Again, I'm not looking to defend Joe Rogan. Um, 
per se. But I think that the people who have come after Joe Rogan are wretched and despicable. And he's a rich guy and he'll be okay. But if they turn their sights on whatever, a guy who, I don't know, uh, makes cakes in Colorado or uh, teaches school at some elite, you know, teaches college in, in some elite institution, uh, the world starts to change. The world starts to turn. And, and then you think, well, what kind of minority view is it okay to hold? I mean, do you have to like, just, um, do, do you have to conform to whatever Hollywood is doing this year? eventually, like you said, it's a slippery slope. Eventually it comes for everybody. It really does. You don't have to be a student of the French Revolution. You just have to have read A Tale of Two Cities um, in high school when you were supposed to or three years ago when I chose to. To know that Madame Defarge is, is just knitting and she's just knitting and she's just biding her time and, and, and they're coming, you know? Yeah. Um, Simon Shama wrote about the French Revolution that um, so many people died that the, the, the gutters of Paris choked on the blood that was flowing through the streets. You there? Yeah. Um, never mind the Bolsheviks in 1917 in Russia. Never mind the Chinese in 1949. And then again, during the Cultural Revolution and I think the mid-60s. Uh, no, the, the Great Leap Forward, the, mm, I don't know. The, the Cultural Revolution was like the mid to late 60s. And it was like students calling out their teachers, their, their professors, for not being Maoist enough. And Mao was still alive, though he was syphilitic old monster who I think his wife, there was a thing called the Gang of Four, which was like his wife and two or, th two or three other guys. I don't know if Mao was actually in the Gang of Four or if he was like, supported by the four mm -hmm. anyway what, what do you you're looking something up well i in kind of relation to this i mean the thing one of the things that that has gotten joe rogan in trouble is they uh, a lot of what he's been saying particularly about the pandemic has been labeled as misinformation but that was a pretext that wasn't it he had a couple of guys on the the, the it and by the way, can you imagine the, who has resources to go back and listen to like thousands of hours of podcasts to, to come up with like every time he drops an N-bomb? That's what, that was the thing. Yeah. It wasn't, it, I mean, they say it was about these, these guys who say, you know, stupid thing. Okay, by the way, by the way. I don't know if you've ever listened to Rogan. It doesn't matter to me if, if, if you have. I've listened to him a, a, a few handful of times, okay? I think he swears too much. I find it off-putting. Um, 
he had an interview last year with Jacob Dylan of the Wallflowers. It was great. First of all, Jacob Dylan is a really interesting guy who, who incidentally, hardly swears at all. Um, can you imagine being, I mean, you've got, you've got issues living up to your old man. Um, can you imagine if your dad was Bob Dylan? Well, and you and you chose to go into the music field as well. Yeah, that was a really good album. I mean, it was no blonde on blonde, but it was a pretty good album. Nice work. Yeah, good work. You're trying. <laughs> so anyway, so so I don't I don't listen to every I don't I don't listen to Joe Rogan all the time. Essentially, I go through and if he's got an interesting guy, I'll start listening to him. Um, start listening to Ron White. Ron White works blue. And so between the two of them, I'm like, eh, I'm out. Okay. But I mean, then he'll have other people. Uh, one of the, one of the things that made everybody, or not everybody, but made the Twitter mobs head explode. There's a woman named Abigail Schreier who wrote a book about um, young girls um, being cultivated uh into uh trans uh transgenderism um essentially saying being a young girl being a girl is okay so you and i were two dudes and we were talking about the um a hurricane of hormones that mm -hmm. are inside us when we're young so on top of that girls get their period which i'm pretty sure is horrible and you know you got dudes like snapping their bra strap and you know i mean i mean you're just getting boobs at all i mean until you and until you gain the self-awareness to know how to work those things uh, i mean you must hate them okay so so and then some guys are, or some, some girls are kind of butch or, you know, a top, not, no, not butch, tomboys. Okay. Right. But there is, there are people online saying, oh, maybe you're not really a chick. Maybe you're, you know, you're the, you're, maybe you're really a guy. And, and, it, and it becomes a thing. And Abigail Schreier can make the case. I cannot. But what I, what I don't think is that an, a, a, a whatever, a two and a half hour interview with her is a hate crime. And there are people who think that it is. So um, I listened to that, Joe Rogan, and, you know, he, because she was, she's not a comedian, she's not an entertainer because it's, uh, it was just more professional. Um, you know, he behaved himself and, you know, I thought he asked good questions and he, yes, he's not a journalist. He has, he, he's a curious guy. Uh, he doesn't seem to be, you know, I mean, he, he's like you or me in that, like, really that's going on. I didn't know about that. You know I mean? So, so this is his thing. Um, I don't know that he's beating a drum though. He did, he did, um, come out in favor of a presidential candidate last time around. So, you know, I mean, he's, he's using his platform to some extent. And anyway, I don't, I don't listen to a lot of Rogan, but I, 
you know, again, I, I, well, incidentally, I would probably have him for dinner before I had Bill Clinton, but not by much, just because I think that he would um, swear and Mrs. Winger would, he'd swear his head off, Mrs. Winger would get upset, and then I wouldn't have a very good time. So that's all. Yeah. I might meet him in a restaurant when Mrs. Winger's working later, something like that. Were you going to say something? Um, so I've never listened. I've never listened to a minute of okay. Joe Rogan experience. Okay. Um, I know who the guy is. I'm familiar. I've, I mean, I've, I'm, I'm familiar with his format. He seemed, like you said, he seems like a guy who's curious about what's going on and how things work and who's doing what and who's saying what. And okay. somebody, and somebody's willing to, well, somebody was willing to give him a hundred million dollars to have exclusive rights to distribute sure his platform yeah yeah chris levine didn't get that deal at spotify as far as we know as far as we know yeah as far as we know the thing is rogan brought listeners to spotify now um he's if you're a subscriber if you're a premium premium subscriber i think you can get it without uh commercials like which are probably done at the beginning and end of episodes but if you just listen to spotify you can get you can listen to rogan with commercials um but people who would otherwise not be going to spotify except for chris levine's refresher podcast uh pop culture therapy um they would not be going to Spotify, except for Rogan and except for Rogan. So, um, uh, Scott Galloway, the uh, business mind, the professor at NYU and entrepreneur and marketing maven, uh, says that Spotify got Rogan cheap. Now. Scott Galloway's also pulled because because of uh, what he what he calls uh, Spotify's toleration of Rogan's um, disinformation about the vaccine. He's pulled his podcast from the platform. Hmm. You and I have no intention of pulling ours from Spotify. I mean, I, I don't think we've had a, an official meeting about that, but uh, I think we can say that with some confidence. <laughs> we, um, this maybe could be, we this could, SoundCloud could really be moving up right now. Yeah, maybe we should talk offline before we make any promises to our audience right now. <laughs> um, the vast majority of our listeners uh, come to us through Apple Podcasts. You, you've seen that too? I, I've seen that too. Yeah, we're looking at the same numbers. I think, I think though, a lot of people listen to us through a VPN because there's a lot shrouded in mystery. A lot of them come from an undisclosed source. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know how I feel about that. It's like, yeah, we'll listen. We just don't want like anybody else to know. (laughs) Uh, And we lost New Zealand. Did you see that? I was bumming. You know, we had, we almost had the five eyes. They'll come back. They'll come back because of uh it's it's uh it's sailing season down there right now so they'll come back when that's all done 
Well, and we did get kind of heavy into American football, right. which they yeah. probably view as some sort of what? Speaking of American football, did you see that? Uh, and this is a pretty quick transition, but did you see that uh, NFL has a couple of deals to play in Munich in 2023 and 2024? So that's kind of cool, don't you think? Play they go to Germany every few years. If anybody's gonna, if anybody's gonna dig the NFL, it'll be the Germans, uh, and not, it's it's too rough even for the Germans. The Germans only like that much violence if they get to wear leather and invade Poland. <laughs> and Mexico City. Well, as long as it's the Cowboys, because, because really the, Cow- the Dallas Cowboys are North America's team. I mean, there's so many Vaquero fans south of the border. Yeah. It's not even funny. You know, they're not rooting for the Houston Texans. Texans. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Okay, so anyway, I, I are you uncomfortable talking about the Rogan deal? Uh, here's the thing. Um, to a certain extent, I think it's serious because, like I said, is that eventually it comes for everyone. Yeah. Um, that uh, I certainly have said and done things in my past that I'm not proud of. If I could go back and change it, I wish I could. And I hope that nobody digs them up and finds them. I mean, it's not, it's not anything that's you know, going to get me thrown in jail, but certainly there's stupid things that I don't want everybody talking about. Yeah, sure. Um, and uh, I think that you know, we live in, in the, the information age is that there's, and I'm going to quote my favorite, my favorite movie, and I think it's one of your favorites as well. One thing about only? The, it's not about the money, Marty. It's about the information. Is that from sneakers? <laughs> it is. <laughs> Are you kidding? But my point is this, is that, it, is that it, if you want to dig something up on somebody, it's not hard to do. Um, it's, it's, it's out there. And, uh, and it's, you know, it's interesting to see where the line is because it's, it's always moving and it's always changing. So, yeah, it makes me uncomfortable. Um, and uh, here's here's what uh, if you and I get deplatformed, uh, I don't know, we can maybe. Well, uh, I will have the excuse I've been looking for to go paint, um, or or write a sto- write a book, but uh, as long as it, but we have no way of fighting back. Joe Rogan does. Mm-hmm. All right. Here, here's another one, another case that troubles me. All right. Uh, in the, again, in the early nineties, there was a guy who was really famous in Denver. Uh, he was a Nazi. He had been to, he was, he was a modern Aryan brotherhood type Nazi. Uh, his, his name was like Sean something. Um, it, it doesn't really matter what he, but he worked for the Kroger affiliate there. Do you remember any of this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, this is coming together. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was at the mall in a store 
with my black friend, Ricky Noble, you know, Ricky. Mm -hmm. And I look up and who's there, but this gigantic muscle bound, tatted up Nazi. Okay. He's got, he's got ink that says, get scared N word. The clan's getting bigger. Cause, cause the N word rhymes with bigger. Gotcha. Yeah. And it was, it was sickening. Now he was a big intimidating guy. Oh, look, I'm a big guy, but I'm not in that guy's league. I mean, this guy was like Jocko Willick big. Okay. I mean, I, you know, and I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know that he's, and I just like, part of me like wanted to like tell him off. Part of me wanted to punch him. Part of me wanted to like run away. You know, and then I, I, I come around as I often do. Okay, so all these people have this, this sense of outrage because they have been victimized. They have had these terrible things happen. Um, W.H. Auden wrote a poem called September 1st, 1939, which of course is the um, date uh, 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 that the that World War II began. It was when the Germans went into Poland. The Nazis went into Poland, I should say. <laughs> the, the, the Nazis just who happened to be German <laughs> uh, went into Poland on September 1st, 1939. And, and uh, uh, Auden wrote, uh, I and the public know what all the schoolboys learn. He to whom evil's done does evil in return. And so all these people from the aggrieved at, at, at CU in the early 90s to HR departments to Twitter mobs, they, they have this, um, ju justified or not, they have a um, aggrieved sense and they want to make somebody pay. And so anyway, so this guy was like, this Nazi, this Denver Nazi was working at the grocery store and people got wind of who he was. I mean, he was in the news. I mean, he kind of put himself in the news because he was, you know, whatever, preaching hate and all of that, racial superiority. You know, this guy can go get bent. But ought he be deprived of a means of making a living? I think that's the question. And so people started like protests, as I recall, and you may recall mm -hmm. better, um, people started protesting, they started making a fuss. I think it just got so hot that he just chose to go elsewhere, though perhaps his employers helped ease him out the door. Do, do you have any, do you have any recollection other than that? I do. I do remember um, a little bit about this and I, certainly none of the specifics, but uh, um, I do remember the, uh, the protests about his employer and, uh, and then and then he was gone. Yeah. So who knows where he's going, right? 
I mean, I don't know. Is he a gunsmith in Idaho? Does he work in a tire shop in Colorado Springs? I really have no idea. Uh, I suppose the FBI does because it was people like that who would a couple of years later blow up the federal right. building in Oklahoma city. Right. Um, okay. I, I'm, I'm okay with the hateful being self-employed and being watched by the FBI. Okay. This is how it goes. That's how it works. Right. What if, I think this cake maker, right, is a different kind of thing, all right? He's like, look, I, I will make you any other kind of cake. I, 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 will, I will refer you to other cake makers who do great work and who have no um, conscientious... Uh, uh, Hesitancy, yeah. yeah. What objection? Yeah, 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 yeah. Who have no conscientious objection uh, to making you a cake, but because of my own, uh, this guy's like what a, a fundamentalist Christian. Is that his deal? Right. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I can't in good conscience make you this cake. Okay. You know, and 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 that is, that's that's the deal. If, if your conscience won't allow you to do a thing, then don't do it. And um, uh, and you got to take the repercussions for that. I mean, there are right. lots of people who were perfectly good Aryans who got thrown into Hitler's concentration camps. Okay. Uh, so, you know, some were... Uh, political agitators some had um moral objections to whatever uh nazism heiling hitler what, whatever the deal was you got it you, you're going to take the consequences so so i guess this guy is but the other side seems especially vindictive instead of just saying all right you know what I, you know, I, I think you're closed minded, but I will take my business elsewhere, which by the way, if somebody like put a thing up that like made it seem like it was personal, um, uh, I won't, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, jowly aging men, you know, it's like, oh, okay, well, I guess I won't shop at this feminist bookstore any longer. Uh, whatever, <laughs> whatever the deal was. Right. Yeah. I've, I've stopped going to restaurants for way less. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> you bet. Like usually crappy service, but I mean, yeah. yeah. Right. I, I, and, and, look, and, and, and that's that, that's it. Yeah. I, I'm, I get on with my life and move on. Yes. I don't. Okay. If I, if I don't like the service someplace, I don't go on Twi on Yelp. I don't go to Yelp and make a big deal about it. And some people, I just think that it, and you and I, okay, you and I have talked about um, next door. Mrs. Winger will go to Yelp and get restaurant recommendations, okay? And I think what she thinks is if, because so many people are just crabby, shallow critics, um, 
if a place has good reviews, it must be pretty good. I, whereas I just don't, I don't trust the platform. I don't trust crowdsourcing. I just, because I am kind of a snob, I think that I, I view the public as just a mob waiting to happen. Okay. And I think in this, I am similar to founding father, John Adams. I, I mean, again, the, um, uh, the, the writer, uh, mostly he's a foreign policy thinker, but he's, he's uh, uh, Robert Kaplan, who I've talked about before, has made the point. By the way, Robert Kaplan's got a great line that like, um, like humanity is like half geography, half Shakespeare. And if you can understand those two things, you can pretty much figure everybody out, like peoples. <laughs> um, um, but but Kaplan made the point that all of the founding fathers of America were incredibly pessimistic about human beings and the human condition, the sole exception being Thomas Jefferson, who, you know, who wrote, the, the, I mean, who, who added like the beautiful rhetoric to the documents, right? Mm -hmm. The Constitution of Virginia, um, the Declaration of Independence and, and then the U.S. Constitution, though obviously James Madison had a lot to do with that too. Um, the very fact that I was just using the expression founding fathers will make some people want to light their hair on fire, but then thinking better of it will want to light my hair on fire. And that seems incredible too. It's like, okay, well, Abigail Adams was unbelievably important. So was Martha Washington. Betsy Ross sewed the flag. I don't know. They probably could have found somebody else to do that. But I mean, I'm not saying that the women weren't important. And I think anybody who knows anything about how relationships act, actually work, okay, the men went, they went in and there was no Yoko in the room. Okay. But I mean, John Adams yeah. wouldn't have been John Adams without Abigail. Right. Yes, certainly both of us can testify to how valuable it is to have a good woman next to you. Testify. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, some, day, some days I just feel like I've wasted my life, that I haven't accomplished everything that needs to be accomplished. I would have accomplished much less without Mrs. The impetus I get from Mrs. Winger. She is the wind in my sails. Otherwise, I would just be a lazy, shiftless weasel. So that was so. So uh, the the Nazi in Denver was before Twitter mobs and the baker in Colorado is like afterwards and I don't I don't know exactly when people stopped being able to agree to disagree you know okay it's it, it, it's because because everybody has um everybody has the ability to to write a scathing Yelp review um and to uh well and to go viral. I mean, that's what, that's, 
you know, that's been, that's been newspaper media since the beginning of newspaper media. I mean, they, they, they want to get attention. They want to get eyeballs on it. And now everybody has that opportunity. If, if you have a, if you have a smartphone, you can, you can get attention. Okay. But here's the, oh, okay. However, um, Some have suggested, and I, I'm, I'm very sympathetic to this point of view, that the mainstream media is envious and concerned about Rogan's influence because each of his podcasts has like 10 or 11 million downloads. And some of them have a lot more than that. And they are liked and subscribed and shared. Oh, by the way, if you're enjoying what you're hearing here on the Managing Expectations podcast, like, scribe, and share. Mostly share. We got we got to start getting the word out. But anyway, leave, what, a, leave a review. Leave a review. Leave a review. That would how cool would that be? That'd be great. Yeah. Uh. Like something like Winger and Grimm beat me, daddy, eight to the bar. These are some hep cats. So, so, so a fraction of that, like hundreds of thousands, are watching CNN, Fox News, um, MSNBC. I mean, it is, it is pathetic how small the audiences for these cable TV shows, which you would, you would think by the way, everybody is carrying on certainly online uh, that everybody's watching CNN. They're not the, the, the network, nobody watches the network news. Caitlin Flanagan wrote several years ago, probably close to 20 years ago, because it was early in the aughts. I think Katie Couric got the job. Um, uh, um, Katie Couric got the job at the CBS Evening News. It was a great moment for women, except the news had become irrelevant. This is Caitlin Flanagan's, the exquisite Caitlin Flanagan's uh, point of view. Um, because nobody was watching network news. That, so mm -hmm. call it 15 years ago, and I think it was longer than that. The, news, the network news doesn't matter. It's not Walter Cronkite saying, you know, that's the way it is. Mm -hmm. um, so I, 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 I think, I think there, are, there, I don't, I don't know that it's just Twitter and Yelp reviews that have made people less agreeable. There's been, I mean, look, the presidency of George W. Okay, so I mean, I guess it kind of started with Clinton and the impeachment. The Republicans were just out for blood, and then you know the the Gore Bush election was kind of um, kind of contested. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, it worked out. It went to the Supreme Court. I mean, that's how it went. And and incidentally. Incidentally, you I mean you, you can never know, but I mean, people who hate George W. Bush should really ask themselves what the world would have looked like in the aughts if 9-11 had happened in the first year of the President Gore 
um, uh, administration. I mean, Al, Al Gore was um, a centrist Democrat uh, from Tennessee, the South. So um, he, he doesn't exa didn't exactly have a pacifist um, bend. Anyway, I mean, you know, but we don't know. So, so, but that was so ugly. I mean, I remember, I mean, the goal, okay, so you had the war in Iraq and the war in Afghanistan, and I would drive to work in Kansas City, and there were like all these like aging hippies, but they were in one of the nicest neighborhoods in Kansas City. And one didn't didn't get the impression that they were like driving from some hovel, okay? And they were all like holding signs up, no no blood for oil. Um, which, by the way, if America's an empire, I never, I never, I never, I never saw the savings at the gas station. <laughs> yeah, so I don't, I, I don't know. There's something. Anyway, uh, um, that got so ugly with with everybody, the, the left hating Bush, and then Obama won, and then the right hated Obama. I mean, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then 2016, and can you imagine being in a position to having to choose between Mrs. Clinton and Mr. Trump? I mean... Is it any surprise that people don't vote? And yet more people voted than like ever before. Can you imagine? And it was all, it was all about, I'm going to vote for this one because I don't like that one or I hate that one. And then, and then my lands, the psychology of Donald Trump to just inspire. Well, who knows what's inspiring what, but um, so, I mean, he just seems to feed off, just seems to be the guy who's like, I know you are, but what am I? I mean, literally doesn't bother him to be despised as long as he's the center of attention. Mm -hmm. So here we are. And I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't think I would hire a Nazi. Well, <laughs> I don't think I would hire a Nazi. It, you know, but it depends on the job. Okay, okay, so here's something that I'm thinking of. Okay, so everybody's like, oh, yeah, Dick Cheney used to be at Halliburton, and now Halliburton's going to go, you know, do stuff with the oil wells in the Middle East. Well, here's what. How many companies on the planet can do stuff with oil at that scale? I'm sorry, did you want to send Starbucks over to do something with the oil refineries throughout the Middle East? I mean, because something's got to be done with it because we can't just like let it pour out all over everything, no matter what Saddam Hussein did last time. There's probably two or three companies that have not only the money, but the manpower, the know-how. The expertise, does expertise right. count for anything? Are we just gonna like, because you know that if they send somebody who's like gonna like, like, a, okay, I, I look and I know, I, look, it would be wrong. I'm, I'm trying to figure out the way certain events have connected and turned in this world before my eyes, okay? I am not 
advocating a political bend or anything else. Okay, I I, I don't I don't that's not my that's not my jam. But I do think the if if they'd have sent a company over who said, well, we want to do it a certain way that's like really good for the environment and we have a really diverse company. And so it's not like just a bunch of guys named Bubba who wear Carhartt overalls, okay? Um, they would have been learning on the job and then somebody would have been bellyaching about, you know, about the taxpayers not getting their money and how there was, it was mismanaged and all of these other things. So, I mean, I don't know that it had to be Halliburton, but it had to be somebody and you couldn't send Whole Foods. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, in six months, you would have been sending over the Halliburton trucks with a, with a sticker over the Halliburton <laughs> sign on it. Well, they would have white a white labeled it. <laughs> isn't one of the Spice Girls named Halliburton? Hallowell, Jerry Hallowell. She was not posh because that's Victoria Beckham. Not not sporty, not scary. She was gin- Ginger Spice. She was the redhead. Ginger, Ginger. Yeah, she was a moron. <laughs> What did Ginger Spice ever do to you? <laughs> um, Chris Levine's got a story. I think Chris Levine may have read her book or like enough of it. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, she was stupid. I mean, she's like legitimately not smart. Also not smart, Candace Bushnell. The writer of many books and and you know multimillionaire i'm sure um but i saw her on charlie rose and she was dumb as a post seriously stupid i mean i mean and, and like i remember i was working at the bush at the bookstore at the time and i'm like i'm like coming in like i cannot believe how stupid candace bushnell was and then, and this this kid I worked with, uh, Sean Rodriguez, says, um, "Jeff, you seem really surprised by, but to learn that the writer of Sex in the City isn't smart. Like, well, I'd like to think that you got something on the ball. If you, oh my goodness, um, it's who you know." Okay, so there's there's the one congressperson currently serving, serving as we speak, who who blamed wildfires on Jewish space lasers. Do you know who I'm talking about? Do. Did you hear her say the thing about the soup? The Nazi police, Pelosi's gazpacho will come for you the gazpacho the the cold italian soup not the gestapo how do you how are how can someone okay first of all how can someone be so stupid did they not go to high school no 
are people not <laughs> learning the name of Hitler's secret police? Have did they never see Raiders of the Lost Ark? I mean, oh well, that was probably entirely too Jewy for <laughs> Marjorie Taylor Greene, but yeesh, how it's just unbelievable. I just cannot just the stupidity, the stupidity of not knowing the name of Hitler's secret police is especially especially when that's the point you're trying to make. <laughs> okay, no, at all. <laughs> but I'm but just saying that, your, your point is valid too. <laughs> I hope you've seen, seen, heard, and validated. But um yeah, no, at all. I don't care if you're the garbage man. You should know who who Hitler's enforcers of evil and like genocidal racist policies were. It's just, I mean, I, I look. I'm not. I'm not saying you got to. Okay, every once in a while, I'm going to drop a Cossack uh, reference. Okay, and that's it's okay if it's if it's over your head. I'll wait for you. It's okay. Go ahead and Wikipedia it. I'll be right here, okay? But for God's sake, you know, it's, you know, it's the Gestapo. So just come on. Unbelievable. So speak, speaking of uh, the... So I would recommend to everyone... Uh, you've heard me talk about Anne Applebaum. She wrote that terrific history of the... I of the Iron Curtain and uh, Russian shenanigans in uh, Hungary, Poland, and uh, the other one. For those of you listening at home, this is the time to take a shot. <laughs> <laughs> because I mentioned Ann Applebaum or the, the Russians. So Russians. Uh... So in the... Um, in the October of 2021 Atlantic magazine, she wrote a book called The New Puritans and it starts with Hester Prine and the Scarlet Letter and uh, takes us through Twitter mobs. Uh, really, it focuses on academics who um, a guy says, uh, your phone stops ringing, people start, stop talking to you, you become toxic. This is when you're accused of being something, a racist, a, 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 a creep. Um, it, it's really worth looking at. It's worth digging up. Uh, she, in the article, she quotes John McWhorter. Have you seen John McWhorter? Mm -mm. Um, I first heard, so there's a movie uh, called The Best of Enemies that goes back to 1968 and the debates on ABC between William F. Buckley Jr. and Gore Vidal. Okay. okay. Yeah. Have you seen it or have you heard me talk I, about I, it on no, several I think episodes I've, of the Managing Expectations podcast? I think that I've seen, I think I've seen the trailer for it a couple of times. It, it looked really interesting. It's, it's really good. It's, it's, it's really well done. And, you know, I mean, You can argue that there are uh, various um, uh, breaking points uh, where American society really 
started being something that doesn't mix, that doesn't blend, that it's, it's too, you would even say two separate um, elemental compounds, okay, that just don't play well with each other. But they, it seemed like it started to crack. Um, the, Democrats and Republicans both wanted to win World War II, okay? There was no, you know, the, the difference between Harry Truman and, and Eisenhower, even though apparently, according to David McCullough, uh, Truman was like a real jerk to Eisenhower, like on the, on the, in the limousine drive to like, you know, uh, it, yeah, he wasn't very gracious. Anyway, it's how it goes. But their policies were, weren't, weren't that different. Anyway, John McWhorter, um, okay, so um, ABC was the third of three networks. Uh, one guy interviewed says uh, it had been fourth, but there were only three networks. Um, uh, another guy said the way to end the war in Vietnam is, would be to put it on ABC and it'd be canceled in 13 weeks. Okay, so, so, so ABC needed to do something to goose their ratings. So they bring in um, two brilliant debaters, uh, two wordsmiths uh, to talk about the topics and the, and the issues playing out in both the Republican and the Democratic um, uh, political uh, conventions. So the first one was in Miami and uh, Vidal, you know, came for blood. I mean, I mean, Buckley uh, was a lacerating debater, and uh, uh, but 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 Vidal like really disliked him. Just and and Christopher Hitchens had a had a good point. I mean, like you know, Buckley would be like, uh, if if the Democrats get their way, um, there'll be you know, uh, well you know, just ruination and fornicating with the horses in the streets of the city. And, you know, just, it just paints this terrible picture. And, and Vidal would say, bring it on. Cause that was the kind of guy he was. And, and Bill Buckley was um, pretty buttoned up Catholic conservative. Okay. So anyway, so they are just going back and forth, back and forth. Well, I, so in Chicago, Buckley melts down and he calls Gore Vidal something that you couldn't say in 1968 and you certainly can't say in 2022. But John McWhorter is a distinguished linguist and he says there are three words that you can't say in America. One of them's the N-word. Um, I think one of them is something that you say, or, you know, some guys would say about women, which seems to be a word that women really don't like to hear. And then the third one is what is a variation of what Buckley called um, uh, Vidal. And, and, it, and, and it's not uh, historically profanity the way you imagine the salty talk of dock workers but it, mm -hmm. but it, it, it's a it, it was an epitaph so anyway john mcquarter what just broke down the language 
so he's he's written a, a book about uh, woke wokeism being the new a new religion, and he it's a an inter, intellectual look at all the ways that as organized religion has um, broke down, more and more people are infusing um, secular ideology, secular um, institutions with the importance of the, the sacred, okay? And um, so she, she quotes McWhorter. Uh, he says, um, uh, he says, uh, McWhorter says, if you're accused of something unfairly, you should always push back firmly, but politely. Just say, no, I'm not a racist and I disagree with you. Uh, if more leaders, university presidents, magazine and newspaper publishers, CEOs of foundations and companies, directors of musical societies took that position, maybe it would be easier for more of their peers to stand up to their students, their colleagues, or to an online mob. The alternative for our cultural institutions and for democratic discourse is grim. Foundations will do secret background checks on their potential grantees to make sure they haven't committed crimes that are not crimes that could be embarrassing in the future. Anonymous reports and Twitter mobs, not the reason judgment of peers, will shape the fate of individuals. Writers and journalists will fear publications. Universities will no longer be dedicated to the creation and dissemination of knowledge, but to the promotion of student, uh, of student comfort and the avoidance of social media attacks. Worse, if we drive all of the difficult people, the demanding people and the eccentric people away from the creative creative professions where they used to thrive, we will become a flatter, duller, less interesting society, a place where manuscripts sit in drawers for fear of arbitrary judgments. The arts, the humanities, and the media will become stiff, predictable, and mediocre. Democratic principles like the rule of law, the right to self-defense, the right to a just trial, even the right to be forgiven will wither. So that's Ann Applebaum writing in the October 2021 Atlantic. I, I just think, I think that society's already becoming that way. I think that's why you're, you're not seeing interesting TV or movies that, that they're, um, you know, li li literature. It's, it, you know, it's why I'm going back 50 years. Um, for the Managing Expectations Book Club, uh, you know, it, it, I, you know, I don't know what new book I want to read, um, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm certain there's something out there. But I do think that people have become aware of a flatter, duller, less interesting society. I think that's why they take haven in. Bully, bully, political leader. I think that's why they band together in uh, Twitter mobs, um, feeding on one another in their um, the righteousness of their views. 
Um, and it's why they listen to guys like Joe Rogan. So mm-hmm. whether any of this is good, I don't, I don't think it is. Um, I just know that there, there are things that we do for money and you shouldn't have, you know, it's like, well, we should be able to agree to disagree. Right. Um, and, and when that stops happening, it's going to be a much different world. Um, because that is what's happening. Uh, people are being deprived of the ability to make a living because a mob doesn't like their views. So don't go after the mob for evil ends. Okay. Um, because it was it wouldn't be on brand for us to end on such a dour note. We have some great news. Merch is coming. Have you seen my emails? I, I have seen your emails. How psyched are you? I'm pretty excited. I mean, yeah, yeah. like. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm psyched. So stickers are coming. T-shirts are coming. Let's let's see about this. Yeah. 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 Right. Wouldn't it be cool to see uh, a managing expectations logo out in the wild? It sure would. You know, like put those stickers like on your skateboard or a lamppost in the cool part of town where all the midtown dirtbags are. Or uh, like you open up a locker and you see a managing expectations sticker on the inside of it. Just so. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, we're just doing great with that high school boy demographic. <laughs> young, young men. Just Today's episode for... should help. What? Today's episode will help. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. So, um, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put uh, the sticker art up on uh, managing expectations podcast.locals.com. So you can check it out there. Um, you need to, you know, why not become a member of uh, follow us on managing expectations podcast.locals.com. Um, also, don't forget about uh, All in a Dream comics and books. You can go to allinadream.us for more information about uh, Ray in downtown Denver and uh, get on the mailing list. hoo Okay, um, so those are some cool things. So, mm-hmm. you got anything going on? That's about it. Okay, so uh, what do we want to do? We want to uh, have an open mind. We want to uh, not not judge people too harshly. We want to um, yeah. forgive you're gonna, if you, possible. What? Well, listen, you're going to see some things in this world that are going to make you angry. Yeah. Uh, or, or, or get you. You're not angry. You're not paying attention, Brian. (laughs) That's right. Um, Give it a beat. Take a minute. And uh, just think about it. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's hard. Take it easy. Just take it easy. (laughs) Don't let the sound of your own wheels make you crazy. What do you think Don Henley's doing right now? Don Henley could be counting his money. 
He's probably still on Spotify. Probably. So, you know, you know, and ask, okay, you know, we didn't even talk about Neil Young pulling his, his uh, music. May I just, and something I haven't really heard discussed in all the discussions that I've listened in on, Neil Young is already rich and Spotify pays garbage. I mean, like pennies on the stream, right? Yep. Pennies in the stream, that is what they are. And and, uh, so I don't know that it hurts anybody to pull their music from a streaming platform. It's a, it's a different deal than getting it played on the radio. I mean, all of the tech, and I, I'm sure that Apple was key in doing this. And, you know, we like Apple, but, you know. Yeah, yeah and I, I haven't looked at the numbers, but um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that most of Neil Young's, people who listen to Neil Young aren't listening to it on Spotify. They probably isn't listening to it on vinyl. You think? Or, or probably on a CD or a cassette. Are you suggesting that a Neil Young fan might be older than the kids listening to the streaming? He probably does some decent streaming numbers, but most of his people are still trying to <laughs> Okay. Most of his most of most of his listeners that's not the preferred method of listening to Neil Young. Uh so we we talk about um so if Rogan has 10 million people download an episode, um, what would it take for Neil Young to drive? Okay, so like Apple Music is saying, you know, Neil Young lives here or, or you know, Joni Mitchell lives here. Uh, how, how many, how many, how much Neil Young and Joni Mitchell downloads can you possibly consume? Do we have, I mean, if they put out a new album, do we suppose that 10 million people would download it? No. Yeah. So see, there you go. And that's why Scott Galloway, who doesn't like Joe Rogan anymore, says, well, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I'm sure that Scott Galloway gave what he thinks is a very nuanced um, case, but he, you know, he, you know, as I say, he pulled his, he pulled his, I, 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 what, what do people want? Do they, they want, Joe Rogan to, I mean, take his hundred million dollars and go down the road and get on another platform because you think that another platform wouldn't be happy to have him. You think, I mean, he could take Spotify's money, go to, I mean, he could probably do his own platform. I don't, I don't even know how that works. If we bought like a server, could we, could we do our own internet? Probably just making an app. I mean, how much do you pay a, some teenager to make an app for you? And then that's, that's where you get, that's where you get the information. Genius. Yeah. Okay. So that's what we'll do if we get canceled. Our people won't, won't stand for it. No. No. Do you think they're angry now? <laughs> so, so what I come around to is, um, you know, Fiddler on the Roof, right? I mean, there's only so many people who can get filler on the roof. Um, I'm not even sure the filler on the roof would play well in Israel these days because the IDF, uh, uh, you know, uh, again, Robert Kaplan, uh, 
go back to the foreign policy realpolitik of Robert Kaplan. Um, he says there's only one country in the world who says never again, they mean it, and that's Israel. And, and it's true, it's so, it is so hypocritical. I mean, the Americans are always like, never forget, never again. It's like, oh yeah, right. He didn't say that in Burundi. He didn't say that in Rwanda. He didn't, you know, it's like, okay, great. You like bailed out the Kosovars, you know, but I mean, you know, tell it to the Bosnians, you know, who got screwed and ethnically cleansed and, you know, the Uyghurs and, and the whole thing, you know, it's just, it's just horrible. Just the whole world's just horrible. But anyway, Israel says never again, and they mean it. But filler on the roof is like, look, okay, well, this is the deal. And this is, this is who we are. And this is what we think. And this is how we live. And God will, God will judge. Right. So there we go. Mm-hmm. And as we speak, I'm getting an email about our merch. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You've been, li- what? Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to say, enjoy the Olympics, everybody. All right, 90 minutes in, Brian gets a laugh. Uh, thanks for listening to the Managing Expectations podcast. I'm, what? You got something else? No, that's it. Are you sure? That's it. That's it. It, re- it looks like you got something to say. That's it. I'm your host, Jeff Winger. On behalf of the aide de camp, Brian Grimm, we want to say thank you. T-shirts and stickers.